Hello there. I've been looking forward to this. This is where the fun begins. Take a seat. Hey there, guys, and welcome to the Jedi Jargon Podcast, Episode 1. We are your newest source for in-depth discussion, news, and analysis. We are a podcast by Star Wars fans for Star Wars fans. My name is Jedi Master OB, and I first experienced the franchise through LEGO Star Wars. And this right here is Jedi Master Jeff, the boy who faced Darth Maul at Disney World and lived. Jeff, how you doing? I'll tell you, OB, I've been looking forward to this. Ooh. Ooh, me too, man. I tell you oh, what. Yeah. All right. So, Jedi Jargon uh, is going to be a weekly or bi-weekly podcast. We're not pretty sure yet. We're going to figure that out. Um, we're going to be talking about news. We're going to be talking about lore. We're going to be doing analysis. Uh, I know coming up we got the uh, the Clone Wars season seven coming up, so we're going to be doing weekly breakdown to those episodes. We're op- we're all we're also hoping to uh, go through and do reviews and in-depth discussions on the Mandalorian season one. Uh, we're hopefully going to be doing a rewatch and review of each of those episodes. Uh, additionally, another thing we we're hoping to get on is a watch with Ob and Jeff. We're going to be giving our recorded commentary for each uh, each film of the Star Wars franchise, and we will be able to um, record those for you guys and allow you guys to uh, get a chance to listen to them as you're watching the movie. So it's like you're watching along with us. Um, additionally, we're going to be doing some dramatic readings from canon sources. Uh, that would be the the new canon novels, the comic books, what have you. Uh, I know Jeff is personally a big fan fiction guy, and we will certainly be digging into that. And of course, you are going to get our unabashed Obi for reference. We're both pre-law students over at Suffolk University in Boston, Massachusetts. We're in our last year of undergrad, looking to go into law school very soon, hopefully. Uh, we both have a passion for the Star Wars franchise. When we first met, you know. We were two politicos, setting all this stuff, talking about, talking shop all the time, talking sports eventually. But once we, once we established that we were both Star Wars fans, the friend, the friendship, you know, not to get ooey gooey here. Not to get soft as blue milk here, guys. Uh, but yeah, we started really bonding over Star Wars. We sure did. Um, watching the movies together, mm-hmm. talking lore together, just like how we're going to be doing on this podcast. I'm really excited to share our talks with you guys. Yeah, you know, I kind of realized that, and I know you did too, the, 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 the in-depth conversations about Star Wars canon and lore and whatnot and theories um, that, we, that we, we had been having, we both kind of realized, hey, why don't, we, why don't we record these and put them out for people to listen to? Uh, because we're having some really great conversations, and I think we're going to be having a lot of great conversations here on the Jedi Dragon Podcast. So today we're going to be doing a breakdown of the Skywalker Saga, episodes 1, 2, Three, not going to list them all, all the way through nine, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> um, the way we're going to do it is we are going to first give our um, personal rankings, and then we're going to go in episodic order, one through nine, and talk about why we have that respective movie in that place on our list. In our list. Exactly. I figured now is a great time to just kind of discuss how we were first exposed to Star Wars. Am I right? I mean, yeah, I know sure. for, yeah, I know for me... It's funny. There's not many things I can say this about, but I don't remember not knowing about Star Wars. And that just makes me so happy. It just, I love that. It's like, and you know, for those of you listening, um, I'm 21 years old. I grew up with the 
the prequel trilogy. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's... I, I remember distinctly. It was about 2004. Um, it was the year, obviously, before the release of Revenge of the Sith. And I remember my dad was trying to get me uh, essentially caught up before the release of Revenge of the Sith. Um, I, I watched the original trilogy... Again, I don't remember how young I was when I first watched them. It could have been even years before 2004. I could have been a small toddler in my diapers watching the original trilogy. Who knows? I don't remember learning the uh, legendary Luke, I am your father. I've I just I've always known that. That's how ingrained I am into the fandom. But yeah, I mean, and then in 2005, May of 2005, when Revenge of the Sith released saw that opening weekend with my dad and ever since then that that opening sequence uh, over Coruscant ever ever since seeing that in theaters when I was just what was I 7 years old I've been hooked I I've been all about the you know ever since I was young video games toys comic books ev- obviously every single movie and show um how about you Obi yeah, so my story is a lot, uh, a lot less exciting than yours, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh, come I, on, man. No, so I grew up, um, and my and my I distinctly remember my mom not wanting me to watch Star Wars because it was so violent. <laughs> and I and I saw this one kid in my second grade class with Darth Vader light up sneakers, and I was very jealous because like I knew it was Darth Vader, but I didn't know anything about him. And I was like, man, I wish I could watch those movies. And then a couple years later, uh, actually, one of my friends from middle school. He it was over his house, and he was playing Lego Star Wars, uh, the the prequel trilogy, Lego Star Wars, and I played through it with him. I played through Episode One. Uh, Qui Gon was my favorite character to play as, and that was my first exposure to Star Wars. Was Lego Star Wars, um, the, the the prequel Lego Star Wars, and I actually I'm pretty sure that I saw Qui Gon die in the video game before I saw him die in the movie, um, which is which is really interesting. Wow, but then I watched I watched episode one. Episode one was the first Star Wars I ever saw, um, so I was hooked. Needless to say, um, you know, I mean that that duel of the fate scene at the end really. Oh, oh my God, I, I can remember seeing it for the first time still today. It was amazing, just like you in the in the battle over Coruscant. Yeah, uh, I was hooked. I I binge watched all of them, all six of them, um, over the next couple you know next couple the days. The then complete and saga. The then complete saga. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I. I mean, just like you, I mean, I, I thought that I would never see an episode seven. Like, we would always say, we would always speculate, like, what would you want to see in episode seven? And it's almost like, I don't know, when you say, like, oh, episode seven, it's just, it's just like. It's, yeah, no, it was never, so pie in the sky. It was just a concept. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. I remember, and, I remember, not to cut you off, I remember leading up good. to The Force Awakens, there was this very popular piece of concept art that I'm sure you've seen as well of which, I mean, it would have been interesting to see star Wars go in this direction. Uh, like a slightly younger Luke Skywalker on what looked like Endor with a bunch of young Jedi around him. It's all very light and happy, you know, cause I don't know about all of you folks. I don't know about you, Obi, but like by the end of <laughs> return of the Jedi, it, it was very much a, storybook happy ending i you wouldn't have really thought that it would go down this whole other route with the sequel trilogy we'll get to that later but 
you know, it was all left to our imaginations. What would happen after it really six, was. you know? Yeah. And I remember growing up, um, a lot of my friends had a lot of the, uh, a lot of the then Star Wars expanded universe novels. Right. I know one of my friends had a bookshelf with all the books and I saw them and I was like, you know, that'd be really cool to read them, but I don't have enough time to read, you know, hundred <laughs> books, you know? And, oh, there's and so especially many. Because it wasn't, and especially because it wasn't like canon Star Wars, it was expanded universe Star Wars. Um, it, it wasn't really appealing to me per se. Um, which is why I'm not really a big proponent of the legends. Again, I've then proto proto canon. Then, that's the weird part. Right, right. And I spent a fair amount of time on the Wikipedia growing up. Um, so I, I know the I know the general story, the legends, but you know it never really did it for me. And I was so excited when I heard that we were going to get episodes seven, eight, and nine. Um, but more recently, and I know you you and I have talked about this at length. Uh, what's really been getting me excited is all the new canon novels that I've been reading. Yeah, I, I mean, for years, I the novels, and to a certain extent, yeah, the comic books as well, I never really touched. It was always just, like you mentioned with Lego Star Wars, the games, the movies, big toy guy. I, I love toys. I love action figures. I love collecting lightsabers, all of that stuff. As many of you who know me may know, um, I'm a collecting fiend, but yeah, I've just recently started to get into the comic books and novels and for any true, for any, um, Star Wars fanatic, I would highly recommend getting into it as well because it fills a lot of these books and comic books fill in the blanks and enrich what you already know so well. For example, the new canon Star Wars comic book that started, we won't get into that too deeply right now, started in 2015, takes place between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. It's about a year of regrouping for the Rebels and all that between 4 and 5. Comic book shows you what what transpired, what sort of character development took place. Now we're seeing that in the new Star Wars 2020 comic between Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi. I mean, Luke went from getting his butt handed to him on Bespin to becoming this incredibly powerful, gifted Jedi Knight. So, Star Wars fans, this is happening right now. Get get to your comic book stores and get that new comic book because we're all going to be get figuring out... hype. I know, get hype, for real. We're going to see how he got those black robes and that green lightsaber in these comic mm-hmm. books. So, Very excited for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing, you know, deep dives into all of those comics, uh, all of the canon novels, um, Star uh, the, the Clone Wars season seven coming out later this month. We're gonna be doing breakdowns of all those um, coming up coming up soon. So that's what we got coming uh, coming down the pipe today. However, we're gonna be talking about our rankings, as I said, of the nine Skywalker saga movies. So right. Jeff, if you want to lead off, and so what we're gonna do is we're gonna give our rankings. Uh, just off off the bat, we're gonna give them off the bat. Yeah. Uh, one through, we're gonna go nine through one. Nine being yep. our lowest ranking, one being our highest ranking, and then so we don't have to talk about them twice. What we're gonna do is we're just gonna talk about them. Um, I, I'm assuming that you and I are gonna have you know similar ones up at the top. Yeah, we'll uh, go we'll episode. Yeah, we'll go episode by episode. Episode one through nine, we'll talk about why either one of us uh, ranks it, you know, as high or as low as we did. Mm-hmm. And right, we're so, yeah, and we're also. You know, before we get into the lists, this is a combination of our 
yes, nostalgia, yes, general appreciation, and yes, our biases based on you know how old we are. We both mentioned that we grew up with the prequels. But we're also going to be taking a look at the story structure as well, what works, what doesn't work for us personally. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you want to start with your list. Oh, no, I, I insist you go, you go first, Master, ah. Master Jeff. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go from nine to one. Here we go. Starting with nine, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. Then we got The Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi at number six, The Rise of Skywalker right about in the middle at number five, Last Jedi at four, A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and yes, number one, Revenge of the Sith. How about you? Interesting, yeah. So in in the nine spot, I have Attack of the Clones. Number eight, I have The Phantom Menace. Number seven, I have Return of the Jedi. Number six, The Rise of Skywalker. Number five, The Force Awakens. Number four, A New Hope. Number three, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, number two, I had The Last Jedi. And in that one spot, I also have the evergreen masterpiece, Revenge of the Sith. In, in this podcast, yes. For for uh, <laughs> for Jedi Masters, Ov and Jeff, yes, the ever the ever perfect Revenge of the Sith. But let's start out with the Phantom Menace. Um, okay, it's at the bottom of yep. my list. It's at the second to last place on your list. But I'm gonna be honest with you, folks. I don't hate it. It's it's not even. It just happened to fall on that part of my list. It didn't. It's not a movie that I find awful, like a lot of people in the fandom do. A lot of a lot of film critics at the time didn't really like it too much and and we can talk about why that is but for me I, I guess it's just a lot of what goes into my ranking it's rewatchability right that's huge for me it's rewatchability it's that uh, that draw to go back to it and watch it again the phantom menace for me it just it doesn't have that as as much appeal as the other ones do. It, it definitely there's definitely a rewatchability in there, um, and I love the movies still to this day. But yeah, how about how about you, Obi? Gungan General Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't have the Jar Jar hate that everyone else has. You know, you look at Episode One for what it is. It's a movie about space wizards intended for children. Well, Star Wars as a whole, yeah. You know, and like I, I know that especially episode one and especially Jar Jar was geared towards kids. It fell flat. I got it. But you know what? When you watch it later, you know you just kind of chuckle, roll your eyes a little bit. It's not too bad. No, but it definitely does. He's like inform. charming in his own right. You know, he is. He is, and it. But it definitely doesn't form. You know, at the end of the day, um, why it's at the bottom of our list because it. You know, like there there are good things about the movie. Uh, there are bad things about the movie. I just think that there are more elements that don't work than do work um right but i i I think the whole arc with padme and the trade negotiations that really worked for me i'm a very political minded person and i love the galactic politics just to see how the emperor the empire you know began to rise um to see emperor palpatine uh before he became emperor palpatine obviously when he was senator palpatine of naboo uh that was awesome um but i think to that point that's exactly why it didn't work for a lot of fans of the original trilogy, right? After how many years dormant? Nearly, 16. yeah, sixteen years dormant. You get in, reintroduced to the franchise with this really dense political drama. I mean, I don't know. 
it, it just seems like a weird way to throw you into this new uh, era of of the canon, you know? Right. And this goes back to what you and I have talked about in the past, um, how these movies age, but in the sense of like, we grew up watching them, right? At least for the at least for the first two, you saw the third one in theaters. I I didn't, um, but I grew up watching these, just accepting them as the canon. Like I didn't see them released, right? right? So I wasn't able to be like, oh well, this isn't like what I grew up with, you know? Like this was what I grew up with, you know? Yeah. And as, I know a lot of, of folks, and I know a lot of folks that criticize the sequel trilogy, um, have that those are same criticisms around our age, you know? That, that are around our age, up, yeah. That grew up, you know, we're both. You know, he, uh, you're 22, I'm 21, grew up with the prequel trilogy. A lot of folks in that demographic, not big fans of the sequel trilogy. Exactly, yeah. So what I'm what I'm saying is, like, I think, you know, kids one day that, that were kids now um, and are watching the sequel trilogy, um, you know, now, that, that were our age then now, they're going to have the same reaction that I had, I think, a lot of kids to the sequel trilogy, where a lot of folks are angry about the choices that were made. Kids are just going to say, oh, this is, it's Star Wars, it's whatever, it's just what it is. You know, yeah. they're not going to be able to make those comparisons. That, and I'm sure we'll probably have an entire episode dedicated to this topic, this idea that so many Star Wars fans feel as if they have ownership over their love of the franchise, their version of the franchise. Right. You know? And when it's different, when it's something that they don't agree with, it it goes against what they grew up with. It goes against their childhood, their nostalgia, their love right. of it. Uh, but let's move on, shall we? Sure. To attack so the in my yep in my number uh in my number nine spot in my lowest ranking, I had Attack of the Clones. You had it in your number eight spot. Yeah. Um, again, by no means is Attack of the Clones necessarily a bad movie. Uh, I think the worst thing about this movie is just the wooden dialogue. Sure. You know, because if, if you sure. if you think about the overall st- structure of the story, it really does work. You know, it's a love story. It's a story about the fall of a thousand-year-old democracy, uh, the conflict between the separatists and the republic, the Jedi versus the Sith, good versus evil. It all works for me. You know, especially knowing where we're going with the rise of Anakin Skywalker, the fall of Anakin Skywalker, and the rise of Darth Vader. You know, we know where it's going, so that works for me. Uh, the battle on Geonosis is one of the best battle sequences I think that we've seen in Star Wars. Uh, and as a kid. I would I would rewind it, I would rewatch it, rewind it again, just to just to see Mace Windu say, you know, this party's over and all the lightsabers <laughs> are That was the coolest thing as a kid, you know. All the lightsabers, um, yeah. But at the same time, though, at the same time, though, there was a lot, there was a lot with this movie that didn't work. Um, really, it just and, and again, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with bad acting. I don't want to say that Hayden Christensen was a bad actor or Natalie Portman was a bad actress. He's not a great movie. actor, um, but. He's not a great. I mean, he's not an A-lister, but no. let's, listen, he was the perfect actor to play Anakin Skywalker. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I tell that to everyone. I tell that to everyone who throws out the, oh my god, the dude's such a trash actor. It didn't work. He had no chemist. He had you know no chemistry with Natalie Portman. That's debatable, right? Debatable. But debatable at best. Yeah. He just worked as Anakin because, um, when you think about it, in. You know, let's get into the Anakin character of sure. Attack of the Clones. Um, first time he's, seeing Hayden Christensen yeah, as exactly. Anakin. Yeah, exactly. The first time seeing Hayden Christensen as the young man Anakin, uh, Padawan Anakin at, at this stage. Clearly, he's a young man who is very emotional. He's very 
he feels like he's being torn apart from the inside because, mm-hmm. you know, he left his mother behind. He misses her. He wants to be able to protect her. But the almost stoic nature of the Jedi religion, if you will, forces him to suppress those feelings, to let go of the past, and just focus on being a protector of the galaxy, whatever that means. What is the, what does that mean? What does that mean, protecting the galaxy, uh, defending the Republic, right? Mm-hmm. It was clearly tearing him apart, and we see that we clearly will get to that later when we get to the top of our list, um, when that comes to fruition right. in Revenge of the Sith. He's also clearly being he Hayden does a great job of portraying someone who has been emotionally conditioned to think a certain way. Ob- obviously he has been uh with his Jedi training. When, and when he meets Padme uh, again, you know, after not seeing her for so many years, he's able to open up to her in a way that he is obviously unable to with any of his Jedi counterparts. Um I think he did an excellent job of clearly portraying that uh in in their time together in Tatooine when he opens up to her about how he wants to be the greatest Jedi ever uh he he wants to hone his power you see sort of some of that dark side come out you know she sees him for who he is again unlike probably any of his Jedi counterparts or superiors they just see him as Mm -hmm. the chosen one oh wow whatever that means okay no and I think that this goes back to just unfortunately why this is at the bottom of both of our lists it, right. it really just goes back to the rewatchability of this you right. know like if i make a plan to watch a star wars movie like yeah it could be episode two but it's more likely than not going to be one of the ones at the top of our list no you know because it's not like again it's not a bad movie it's just not one that you pick out of the bunch to just to watch unless of course you're marathoning them yeah of course yeah you gotta throw order, it in there you got you're looking for something right you know um but one one bright shining spot upon this movie. You know who I'm gonna say. The carrier of the franchise, Obi Wan Kenobi, played Obi-Wan by Ewan Kenobi. McGregor. Obi Wan Kenobi, played by Ewan McGregor. Uh, Ewan again knocked it out of the park with this one. Oh the, yeah. The whole detective, the whole detective Obi Wan arc was so cool. Oh, I love um, that. I, I've actually <laughs> never heard that before. Detective Obi Wan. <laughs> I love that. Can we like have? An entire like series called Detective Obi Wan, please. Detective Disney? Detective Pikachu, who? I know, right? Like, just give us a Detective Obi Wan movie, please. But um, yeah, seriously. Yeah, Ewan. No, it, it worked. Great actor. He really is. Uh, he he said it in one of the Revenge of the Sith bonus featurettes. Uh, I believe it was called Becoming Obi Wan or something of the sort, where he wanted to emulate Alec Guinness. He's like, I'm not just playing Obi Wan Kenobi a young Jedi Knight. I'm playing a young Alec Guinness. And it's so damn interesting to see him do that, you know, like um, recreating the hello there, the iconic hello there. Again, we're getting into Revenge of the Sith territory here, but he was excellent in Attack of the Clones. So witty too. Like I love the um, arena scene. Yeah, the banter. Um, The banter between him and Anakin, not only in the arena scene, but in the in the opening chase scene with two of them and the bounty hunter. I hate it when, when he Anakin, does that. When Anakin like drops his lights. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I hate <laughs> when he does that. I love that line. Yeah. I love that line. Oh, I was looking for a speeder that I liked, you know, those lines are just, 
when I was you know when I was a kid, those that whole scene would crack me up. Still I does. Loved it. It still I mean, cracks course, me up. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, but again, you know, just to close it out, the the wooden dialogue between him and Padme. Um, Anakin, it, it, yeah. Yeah, Anakin. Pardon me. Um, it just it really just ensures that this stays at the bottom of our the bottom of our list. Yeah, and and, and again, similar to Phantom Menace, a lot of that you know political drama sort of kind of like that slow burn um political drama between the separatists and the republic a lot of people at the time probably didn't know what the hell any of that meant uh so i can see why that would be off-putting boring it's one of the longest movies in the entire saga as well um it's clocks in at something like two and a half hours i don't know but um we can move on yeah so next, going in episodic order, um, we have Revenge of the Sith. Um, both Jeff and I had this movie at the top of our list at number one. Um, Jeff, if you just want to talk about Revenge oh, of the Sith of course. for a minute. Yeah, I already mentioned it at the beginning of this episode, but this was the first Star Wars movie that I saw in theaters. I saw this May of 2005, opening weekend when it came out. Um, I don't remember exactly which theater I went to, but I just from the opening sequence above Coruscant it just it just had me you know I I just love the portrayal of Anakin in Revenge of the Sith because if you if you look at from the beginning where he is still you know he's a Jedi Knight now but he's still good friends with Obi-Wan they have such good chemistry and banter in the first act of the film really and seeing him, again, a dad-to-be, a married man, albeit in secret, he's just, he's hes happy, but he's still torn. He's still torn because he wants to be able to protect the love of his life. And he's just, I mean, Palpatine knew, man. He knew. And he tapped into that fear, and that's what gave us the genius third and final act of the movie right and again with that third and final act when you think of a lot of people when they describe star wars they they call it a space opera a space epic that final act where we see yoda take on darth sidious obi-wan and anakin fight each other on mustafar that that's a space opera right there i mean i'm, I'm sorry that's the epic that we really deserve as science fiction fans and lovers of movies um i don't know about you ob yeah i think that revenge of the sith is number one because it is everything that we love about star wars it has the best lightsaber fights it has the highest stakes it has the satisfying conclusion you know it has the conclusion to the clone wars um you know love brotherhood good evil all those things are perfectly encapsulated in this movie in a way that doesn't really happen in the other star wars movies um like you were saying revenge of the sith is an epic i like to think of it kind of as shakespeare in space because right. that too because it, it yeah it, it really is you know it's the it's the story of the tragic hero you know anakin skywalker it's his fall to darth vader and this is the final act of that the rise of the shakespearean villain in palpatine as well because when you see him give his wonderful speech 
uh, in front of the Galactic Senate of the Republic. Um, I, I really think that's where it begins, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, um, th- I wouldn't say that's where it begins. I mean, we've seen it. Well, that crescendo. You no, know, you've no, seen the, the posture, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the crescendo of that final act begins there. Right, right. You know? I, yeah, I just, I think that. It's hard well, for George me to. Lucas, yeah. George Go Lucas on. has been on the record and said, saying that he, uh, his first vision when he thought up Star Wars was the fight on Mustafar between Obi and Annie. Wow. Yeah. So this is, you know, it is the culmination of decades of movie making and storytelling. Um, and I love it because it it's the final chapter that fills in the holes um, that was set up in episode four when Obi-Wan says to Luke, you know, I knew your father. He was a pilot, a cunning warrior and a good friend. You know, he fought in the Clone Wars. You know, it, it, it finishes that story. Um, and, I, I, you know, I get it. I, I get that the sequel trilogy, you know, it tells the story even some more. It extends the story like it's all all well and good. You know, but the way that I think of it is the sequel trilogy is just extra. Not not good or bad. It just is. It's just it's just additional stuff to the story. Yeah. We, you know, and the, we'll the get we'll get there, you know, when we sure, when we, sure, sure, we sure. move on in this list. Um but when you think about again how three enriches the original trilogy, you think about when Vader was finally on the Death Star able to confront his old master again. It adds so much weight to that encounter. So much weight to it. So much weight to it. You know, last you know, we, we met. Meet, we, we meet again. Exactly. exactly. Last we met. You you know, what was it? I was... I was I the was, learner, and now I am the master. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How do I know no, that line? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? Um, I was in a Star another, Wars podcast. Another, uh, dude, there, there's so much to pull apart about episode three. We could take a whole video. Uh, or we probably will. Episode to do it. We definitely will we at some point. We do whole episode. Yeah. But I think, you know, one of the parts that really gets me besides obviously um the space battle over coruscant is order 66 it every time i watch it i'm like oh my god kiati mundi he he's got to live he's gonna live right you know plo Koon, like he's gonna live and they all and they don't live obviously right. but every time i watch i'm hoping they're gonna make it though i know how it turns out every single time it's just the music is so tragic seeing commander cody telling his guys to blast obi-wan it's just it gets me every time and, and that's what you want out of a movie, and specifically out of a Star Wars movie, for you to be able to go back to it 10, 15 years later and still feel those same feelings you, felt, that you felt years, the first wow. time. Yeah. And still feel those feelings you felt the first time you watched it. And Revenge of the Sith does that for me. You know, it's a different vibe completely than the original trilogy, obviously. Um, but I think that it bridges the politics of the prequel trilogy, the action and weight of the original trilogy together really really nicely and that's why i rank it at the top of my list oh yeah same same here my friend because darth vader is no longer just this terrifying cyborg of a man in the original trilogy after you you know after you've seen the prequels and you go back and you revisit the originals again because i firmly believe you should watch the originals before you watch the prequels uh agreed um you know, I don't think there's any question about that. But when you revisit him in the original trilogy, he's no longer just this robot. He's he's a broken man. He's he's a man who had it all, really. But uh, he just wanted more. He wanted the ability to protect those he loved, um, to save those he loved, um, and 
his fall is a fall that is just oh my god I can go back to it so many uh, that is the and again that's why it's at the top of my list I can go back to it the most out of any of these movies but let's move on sure a new hope so next we have a new hope Star Wars the original Um, I ranked it as number four in my overall I know it feels kind of sacrilegious to say that uh, for it to not be first Um, but you know the and again there's not much bad that I can point out about this movie um, more so just that I liked other movies more personally. Um, but episode four is great. Um, Jeff, you want to talk about your thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, the original Star Wars that started it all in 1977, there's not really anything wrong with this one, let's be honest. Uh, this is just our personal opinions here. Rewatchability is, again, the biggest factor here. Empire, it's three on my list behind Empire and Revenge of the Sith. Um, Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's a classic. Yeah, that's all I've got, really. I mean, and if we if we jump right over into Empire, episode five, that's my number two. Um, yeah, I mean, the stakes are just a you know a significant amount higher than in A New Hope, and I think just splitting our heroes apart. And raising the stakes so high that, you know, the rebellion itself is on the verge of destruction under the might of the Empire. Seeing Yoda for the first time. I mean, Empire is just... It's always the one that's switching between... revenge. It's always switching with me. Switching off between Revenge of the Sith and Empire for that number one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I consider them almost tied for number one mm-hmm. i don't consider empire even really number two um but if i had to choose yeah sure revenge of the sith yeah yeah um a new hope you know obviously we are children of the prequel trilogy you know we are of that age yeah um, so when i saw a new hope i had already seen the first three prequel movies first um and being you know a kid in the early 2000s i was more drawn i gotta be honest i was more drawn to the graphics and the cgi (laughs) of the prequels um and the the original trilogy is kind of it looked aged you know it really did uh but going back and watching them now having read the canon novels that really fill in the backstory of of characters like princess leia um i can appreciate them more deeply um you know i really do have a genuine love for a new hope um, without it, we wouldn't have we wouldn't be making this podcast right now. Obviously, I think um, it's immaculate. I'm not gonna lie. I think it really yeah. is. Like, if we're looking at all of the movies, like if we're just talking about how they are, how they work as films, I think that's the most perfect on this entire, you know, right. this I entire mean, every saga. Other movie, every other movie really tries to emulate that exactly. One. We see that with the Force Awakens specifically. It makes a point of being a soft reboot of. Um, of episode four but yeah no it it is the true you know i i know we talk about it a lot um you know the the hero's journey blah 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 blah. you know it really is um and i think all the characters really work in that movie um i think my favorite character in a new hope uh surprise surprise is old ben kenobi yep um i think that ewan mcgregor playing him in the prequel trilogy it just enriched alec guinness's performance so much it really did and the 
and the and the three prequel movies, it gave so much weight to the fight between Obi Wan and Darth Vader on the Death Star. It made it mean it made it mean so much more to me as a viewer. Um, it, it it made the the emotion and the hatred and the and the regret palpable. And not between the two of them. And not just and um the fight on the Death Star. If we go back to when they were when he gave Luke uh, Anakin's lightsaber, was that in Obi Wan's home or was it in Luke's home? That was in Obi Wan's home. Obi- I am yeah, so o- sure. Obi Obi Wan's house. That scene where he described the Clone Wars, the Jedi, his father, and the death of his father at the hands of Darth Vader, as he put it. If you really focus on the performance of Guinness in that scene, I swear to you, Alec Guinness had a time machine. He went forward in time to watch Revenge of the Sith, and he had that knowledge when he was acting as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I swear to you, he portrayed the the almost, yeah, PTSD of someone who has experienced great trauma uh, when he was telling him about the death of his father um, mm-hmm. at the hands of I Vader. Can, I completely agree. There is a great YouTube video uh, out there. I think it's called Obi-Wan is PTSD. Yeah, it's since been, re- <laughs> yeah, I, the creator of that video has since renamed it. I, I forget what it was called before. Um, but yes, he clearly does i would go back excuse me and just focus on that scene focus on the subtleties of elegantness's facial expressions and definitely check out obi-wan has ptsd on youtube after you watch after you finish listening yeah i think that it you know definitely deserves a top spot in anybody's list any ranking of the best star wars movies so after that uh, as you moved into a minute ago let's move into episode five the empire strikes back yes. now i have this one as my i don't even know how i can put this here um and this as my third place and you have it as your second yeah. and it oscillates for you between second and first yeah it does oscillate um, yes for me you know revenge of the sith is my favorite and i think that empire oscillates between my third and my second spot between empire and okay. last jedi um for me i just think that if I'm going to pick a Star Wars movie to watch, I'm probably going to, you know, majority of the time going to watch Revenge of the Sith. You know, when I'm watching with my normie Star Wars fan friends, we're going to watch <laughs> Revenge of, we're going to watch Revenge of the Sith because that's the one they're going to want to see. Yeah. You know? Um but with Empire, also a classic. Uh I I I think that it's the quintessential Star Wars film, like you were saying, it has everything. Um it resolves the the issue of the love triangle set up in A New Hope. Um I can't imagine growing up at that time and having those fan discussions about who who Leia is going to end up with, um, wow, her yeah, brother, her, her brother on Solo, though they didn't know it was her her brother at the time. Yeah, and like I was um, like I was saying at the beginning of this of this pod, I mean, I don't remember not knowing any of this stuff. So to be an original trilogy fan at the time of the original trilogy's release would be so fascinating and strange. Uh, I'm like going to Empire Strikes Back on opening night. My God, I can't imagine. Dude, that would have been that would have been like you and me when we saw Avengers. In uh, oh theaters. yeah, literally, yeah, literally. And, and the snap, uh, in, both in Infinity each War other, and like, Endgame, yeah. Oh yeah, dude, that that would have been that on a massive scale. Um, but yeah, no. So uh, what worked for me in Empire, just the the escalation of the conflict between the 
Empire and the Rebellion and the internal conflict between both Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, um, which came to a head on Bespin, as we all know. Um, I love how they brought Obi-Wan back. The initiation of the concept of a Force ghost was really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think the franchise would be the same without it. No. Um, it really it really added a lot to Guinness's line, you know, strike me down and I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Yes. Um, and since then, the concept of uh, the living Force, Force ghosts, has been expanded upon at length. Um, this is why you're listening to this podcast. We're going to be getting into that um, in future episodes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. So episode... Episode five was amazing. Uh, Han, you know, I love you. I know. Great. <laughs> that was so cool. Um, the, yeah, all the, the, the all the couples over at Disney um, that wear the matching "I love you, I know" shirts. My God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents um, have those yeah. shirts now. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. That's great. Um, the addition of Boba Fett and Lando Calrissian, really cool, um, amazing chase scenes in in Empire. Um, and then, and then also Luke's training on Dagobah with, with Yoda. It's my favorite you know, aspect think, of the movie think, next to the fight on Bespin. Yes, I agree. Um, I think that it did more than most anything else in the original trilogy to explain the Force yes. to us. Yes. And I think that the movie would not have been the same without it. So let's keep, let's keep chugging along. Uh, episode 6, Return of the Jedi, I have at number 7. Where, where do you have it again? I have it at number 6. <laughs> all right interesting i know interesting Con- weird coincidence so we have it pretty much in in a, in a very similar uh spot i have it at seven you have it at six um and i think that just goes to just the overall feelings about this movie you know it was good um it's one of those things where like the movie is good and you just kind of at least for me i i can look back on it and be like okay like i remember this happened that happened and that happened you know the attack on endor you know they got the shields down they blew up the death star the second time Darth Vader dies, the Emperor dies before him, Anakin Skywalker is redeemed, right? Yeah. And the whole plot of the movie, it just it it's it's good. But if yeah. you're picking one out of nine to watch, you're probably not gonna pick that one. I don't no, know. No, it Me personally I I think as a movie on its own, it just has some like pacing issues, if anything. Like I mm-hmm. I don't know if it's pacing or just um maybe there's just some aspects of it that don't really work too well as opposed to its two predecessors. I, I mean, I'm not a big Ewok guy. I know a lot of guys, a lot of fans, excuse me, like the Ewoks, think they're cuter, they work or whatever. I don't, I've really never thought that they worked all too well. I thought it was kind of weird how sticks and stones took down uh, walkers. But I mean, hey, whatever. Um, no, I definitely agree. Um, there, it, it, there, there's definitely a lot of pacing issues with it. Uh, the movie doesn't really get good, I I don't think, until you know you're more than halfway into it. You know the 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 fight at the Sarlacc pit, notwithstanding. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just about to correct sequence, you. That whole sequence with Jabba's palace and um and the Sarlacc pit was so cool. Well, just Luke's arrival Luke's... at the at um oh yeah Jabba's palace too. And you see his green saber for the first time, the first green lightsaber in Star Wars. Uh, Never gonna forget the first time I saw that. That was so cool. Oh yeah. Um, so that was, you know, it. That was episode six, uh, Return of the Jedi. I think I think it works. I think that. No, what works in Revenge of the uh, Revenge of? Well, it actually was called Revenge of the Jedi at first. Uh, interestingly enough, my Freudian slip. 
Um, but yeah, Return of the Jedi, what works in that movie works very well. I mean, the highlights as you describe them, you know, um, the, the prophecy fulfilled at the end with Anakin. Again, we then thought that he killed the Emperor. Um, um, Which and brought we're balance to the to. Force. We're going to get to that. Trust us, folks. Mm-hmm. And seeing Anakin's face for the first time in in yeah, Star Sebastian Wars was Shaw. incredible. Um, how do you how do you feel about how do you feel about the replacement of Sebastian Shaw with Hayden Christensen's Force as a ghost? Force Ghost? I I have really mixed feelings about that, and I don't hate that decision. I I actually like it. Um, but it's just weird. I, I, I think that yes, it works if the, if you think of it in the sense that Anakin did really die on Mustafar. Um, he could have even died earlier than that. Um, after he cut off Mace Windu's hand, went down on his knees and became Darth Vader. I mean, he could have died right then and there. It's hard to say. I mean, you still saw Anakin come through when Padme arrived. Um, but yeah, he really died on Mustafar. So to see him come back as a force ghost, as a young man, yeah, it works. Um, but if we're being honest, I mean, if we're, if we're really looking at the psychology of Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader, he was always in there. I mean, he just let the darkness take over. He let the darkness, um, sort of act as an autopilot for his everyday life that's what kept him alive really his hatred and his anger we see this in darth maul as well uh hatred and anger are powerful tools to keep one's body moving in the star wars universe it's very true but you know i yeah your thoughts on i really i really liked it i really did Uh, i think it did a whole lot to really tie the two trilogies together um and you know people are gonna we're gonna get angry in the chat over me saying this but i would think it'd be so cool one day when hayden christensen is like 65 years old to digitally place his face over sebastian shaw's <laughs> <laughs> when you take off the mask oh my oh dude just imagine it. yes just imagine no it. yeah honestly yes oh that'd be that'd be funny because when you think about it yeah like he was only in his 50s when he died yeah so another you know, 20 years or so, they should they should make a special, special edition of Return of the Jedi with Hayden Christensen under the mask. I would be all for that as well. Um, because I don't... The, the 60th anniversary yeah, edition? Exactly. Yeah, because, you know, yeah, maybe Ewan McGregor can age into Alec Guinness, but I, I mean, I don't know if Hayden can age into um, Seb- Sebastian... Sebastian Shaw. Se- Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. yeah. Onward yeah. to the sequels, are I we, just, or not quite yet? Uh, uh, no, I think I think we're moving on. We're moving on okay. to the sequels. So 2015's The Force Awakens, I have it at number five on my list. Jeff, where do you have it? The Force Awakens is low for me. I, I just, I have it at uh, number seven. Ooh. I, Ooh. I mean, it, I can tell you why. I, I rewatch it relatively, I mean, where I'm working right now, I watch it every day about four times a day because we have it on loop. Could that could uh, that contribute to your low ranking that no, you've seen it so many times? No, not at all. Not at all. I made this I made this list before I went back to my current place of employment. But for me, 
The Force Awakens works very well. Again, I don't hate it. I really like it. Um, I, you know, at the time of seeing it, it was in my top three, probably. You know, when I was, yeah, at the time, 17 years old, it had been about 10 years since we had a fresh new Star Wars. I was in love with it, and I still love it to a certain extent. But now with the complete saga uh, being out, um, I don't know, it just kind of found its place that low on the list in comparison to the rest. I Is there anything in it that doesn't work for you? Um, anything that doesn't work? Or you wish just it could the, have been differently? The structure of the narrative. Um, I think that, yes, it was somewhat necessary to carry on the 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 story laid out in the original trilogy in a way that was familiar and that worked it brought people back into the fandom for sure after the you know dis you know with the disillusioned original trilogy fans after the prequels but i would have liked something more visionary with the force awakens something more weird I don't know, not not as familiar. Uh, if we had seen, there was that famous uh, concept art that was, and all this concept art leaking, my God, but uh, with Colin Trevorrow, the poor guy. But there was a f- piece of concept art of Anakin that would have been interesting to include. Um, I don't know how they would have. Maybe when uh, Kylo Ren was connecting with his you know prized relic of Darth Vader's helmet I mean if we had seen a force ghost of Anakin that would have been interesting to see just some more connection to the prequels again I'm biased but it was very familiar intentionally I would have liked something a little a tad more visionary a tad more original um it's higher on your list why is that yeah so it's actually what is it two two spots spots. higher on my list than yours yeah yeah no so just that you know, it it was really, when you look at it, The Force Awakens was really just a soft reboot of the Star Wars franchise. You know, it's, yeah. it's like you can't you cannot recast people to play Luke, Han, and Leia, and Vader. And when, but and, you can, yeah. you, okay, keep going. You yep. can cast people to play, you know, Rey the Scavenger, you know, Finn the Stormtrooper, Poe the, the Scoundrel pilot guy. All relative you know? unknowns at the time, which was really cool. Ex- well, ex- exactly, yeah. All relative unknowns. But also they, they fill a familiar role, you know. You have the 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 the, the definite good in Ray and the definite bad in Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. Um, you have the wise old man in Han Solo that was fulfilled by Obi Wan Kenobi in A New Hope. You know, you have his sacrifice to his son. You know, the student now becomes the master. You know, the, the tragedy of Kylo Ren. Um, it, it worked for me. It really did. But like again, when you dig down and you ask the questions like could this have been done differently could this have been more unique uh taken in a different direction you know the the obvious answer is is yes it could have and it would have been it arguably would have been better um but i do love the movie Uh, i love the characters i love the arcs a lot of it really works for me the one thing that doesn't work for me uh is maz saying it's a good story for another time with regards to luke's lightsaber and where it came from oh Uh, disney and i know that we're we're gonna see that in the new star wars 2020 comic maybe not though i mean there was like 32 odd years between when he dropped it in bespin and when 
she just happened to have it in her castle. So it, we might not even see Maz in the comics. Um, it could have switched hands a countless times in those 30 odd years mm-hmm. um, between Empire and yeah. Force Awakens. Yeah. Additionally with me, uh, with that movie, one thing that didn't work so well that I'm coming around to now is the whole idea of the New Republic. You know, when Why is I that? Interesting. Movie, Why is that? Well, when I first saw the movie, I was very confused as to what their point is. And not only New, not only the New Republic, but also the First Order. Um, oh, yeah. That, yeah how they, I had that how issue they as get well. here, what's their point, what, what does the name First Order even what's mean? What's the scope of the First Order? Yeah, we didn't exactly. ever even really got that. Are they just a bunch of terrorists, or are they actually exactly. like the Empire? Exactly, yeah. And the fact that, you know, they just got rid of the Republic really quickly. Um, and also the, the whole idea of a planet-killing superweapon. I feel like that's a tired trope in Star Wars. But also when you think about it, what other weapons could they have when you have, you know, this type of technology? The only thing you have to fear is a planet-killing weapon, I suppose. Well, I mean, again, it could have been a bit darker in that, like, yes, the ultimate threat in the Star Wars universe as we've come to know it so far is a planet-killing weapon, but fear, subjugation, these more micro-level threats that can still be explored and still be very dark and still be terrifying and put people into place. Um, True. The First Order could have been more of a a, a bludgeoning force than this uh, larger-than-life government-type uh, organization like the Empire was. It, it, but I I gotta say though the the new canon novels go a long way and the and the the comics as well of really filling in the gaps there. Right. You know I'm reading Star Wars Bloodline right now and it's doing a lot to explain um, where the New Republic is a couple of years before the the events of the Force Awakens. Really filling in a lot of the gaps um, in, in such a way that that it, that it really is a positive. Um, but but one thing that I, I think I really got to say about this movie is that it really is highly rewatchable. Yes. I can throw it on and just jam. I can vibe. You know, I really can. No, yeah. I, I, I love looking over at the screen at work and seeing, like, you know, whatever, whatever part of the movie. I know all the lines. I My coworkers make fun of me because I'll just – because we'll have the movie muted. We'll use it as an audio demo for our products in the store. And I'll still know the lines – of what whatever the characters are saying on screen, you know, I know what I have to do, but I don't have the strength to do it. And you know, it'll be Kylo Ren on screen. They'll be like, "You know every line in this movie, man. What's going on?" I'm like, "Hey, hey, I'm just, I guess I'm just better than you guys." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, I I really loved it. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's number five on my list, but I loved it. There was a lot that could have been done better. But I really, just, yeah, just in, just in, you know, you know, um, even if I throw aside my biggest problem, which is the familiarity of the structure, just to giving a maybe a little bit more context, New Republic, a little bit more, a little bit more with. Well, the I think that's a first response, order. though. I think it's a response to everyone getting really upset with all of the politics. True. The okay. Trilogy. Yeah. 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 It's all these. It's the. It's really the tux. The toxic. Um, discourse and the toxic fan base that kind of they're the they're the cause of their the things that they hate which is which is ironic like when you think about it because when because 
so we're, I'm, I'm going to go on a small tangent here, tangent here uh, with Solo, for example. The timing of Solo, Solo's release, couldn't have been at a worse time because everyone was still reacting to The Last Jedi. Uh, everyone was still like bent out of shape over it, not really knowing what to feel of about The Last Jedi and everyone... Not me, mind you. This was never me, and I don't think it was ever you, uh, Obi. Where like boycott Solo, we can't go see it. We can't support this company. We don't like what they're doing with my Star Wars. Uh, it just it ruined the it ruined the box office for Solo when you think about it, and it it yeah. set Disney and Lucasfilm on this direction of like, man, we're not gonna do many, you know any more movies for a while yeah i don't i don't know why they released that movie six months later it should have been next december but like again it's kind of the fan base's fault that like we're not probably gonna get another solo like movie i don't know that's just a tangent we can get into the discourse of the fan base in a separate episode yeah i hear you um so yeah force awakens i really like the movie highly rewatchable little plot things that aren't really that great but no. i can look past again yeah um, again i don't hate it either it did a lot to expand the force i think not as much as our next movie and that is the last jedi which i have at number two where do you have it jeff i have it at number four okay it's relatively high on my list too it's my favorite sequel movie because of just how again this is what i would have wanted with the force awakens how different it is than the original trilogy how it sort of uses the tropes, the familiarity of things even established in the prequels when Luke would talk about the hubris of the Jedi Council and how uh, they were sort of the cause of their own demise with how they were blinded by their hubris and arrogance. I was a bit, I guess you could say, disturbed by that sentiment of Luke I thought at the time of the movie's release I was like oh this guy this character's been miswritten why is Luke so grumpy why did he throw the lightsaber I'm telling you folks it works because when you haven't seen somebody for 30 years which we haven't actually seen Luke for about 30 you know 30 years and you know if we're talking timeline wise in the canon we nobody has seen him for quite some time he went off, did his own thing. He thought he was rebuilding the Jedi Order. His prized student, he failed. And because of his failure as a teacher, we, the universe saw the rise of the First Order, uh, the rise of Kylo Ren. Um, and he felt responsible. So he didn't want to cause any more problems for the galaxy. He hid himself away on Octu, and there we saw him uh, after all of that. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get more details on that fall um, from Grace in The Rise of Kylo Ren, um, the limited comic series, and maybe some, hopefully some other Disney Plus animated series or... Um, Maybe a mini mini series that'd be really cool, um, in a live action adaptation of the Rise of Kylo Ren. But regardless, 
it didn't work for me at first, but just seeing how, and if we look at, you know, on a micro level, um, Luke's arc over the course of the film, he went from feeling as if, yeah, it's time for the Jedi to end to at the end of the movie, um, right before he dies, realizing, you know what? I'm not the last of the Jedi. This girl from nowhere who knows nothing of the Jedi can re can hit the reset button on this whole thing and hope is not lost. That arc is just beautiful to me. I I love the last Jedi, man. I I really do. I've I've focused on Luke here. What what about the movie works for you, man? Yeah, I think that when I saw I mean when I was with you when we saw the movie Yeah, we saw it I together. Came out of that. Yeah, we did. Um I came out of that so very perplexed, confused and conflicted. I wanted to like it, but there was so much about it that I just couldn't bring myself to to really like, to get to get behind. Um, specifically, I'll echo what you were saying with regards to Luke Skywalker and his arc. Um, I just couldn't imagine that he was so grumpy, that he was so closed off from the Force. Um, additionally, I couldn't really get behind the idea of Leia and, and the whole Mary Poppins thing. Hey, Kanan Jarrus walked so she could run, man. I'm telling you. Watch Rebels. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's true. Well, the thing is, when I initially saw it, I couldn't get behind it. Again, I know. now I love both of those things. I think they're brilliantly executed. The one the one thing that I still watch and I still cringe is the Canto Bite sequence. I get it. You got to put something in there to break up the movie. It's still you know, a gorgeous sequence. It looks great. It, it's a gorgeous sequence. It's needed for the pacing of the movie. I just think that it doesn't really make much sense to the plot. Um, one thing that happens in Star Wars for the most part is that everything in the movie has a point, right? And I just yeah. don't think that the whole Canto Bite sequence had a point. Um, with the with the rebellion, with pardon me, with the resistance running from the First Order, like, yeah, it had a point. There was a narrative purpose. But let's just that. keep running. Why are we doing this side thing, you know? like that, Exactly. That was a weird aspect of the movie that kind of dampened the, like very much it was like an aggressively paced movie it was very fast it's very like all right we're not even you know there's no time jump between the force awakens and the last jedi we're picking up right where i left off pretty much let's get right. right into this thing and if you watch the director's commentary that's very much the vision that ryan johnson had he there was very small through line between the two movies um but that aspect of the movie it did kind of slow it down a bit uh, it did sort of, yeah, I, yeah, like for such a headstrong movie that was on the, that was on this definitive path forward. Like, okay, we're running from the first order. Uh, this is what's happening. Uh, we're gonna show it all, you know, show it all to you really fast. Here's a really cool a plot with Ray and Luke. All right, here's a little side quest for our B characters. Uh, that's exactly what it was, right? Like, if we're talking video game terms, it was a little side quest. It was a little fetch quest, yeah. literally a fetch quest. You know, and here, go grab honestly, this thing. I think honestly that they could have sacrificed some of that plot line in favor of either more of the Luke and Ray or, or just, Ray and Ben. Yeah. Or, alternative, or the, alternatively, or the Kylo and Snoke. Yeah, alternatively, they could have just had them sneak onto the uh, Snoke's destroyer. You know, like when they sne- when they snuck onto the destroyer, it was very interesting. They could have expanded that more. They could have just made the fetch quest them sneaking onto the destroyer. 
and not having to go into this casino planet. It would have just made more sense for them. Right. Like, all right, we're we're trying to sneak. We're trying to get away from the first order. Maybe if we can just get onto the destroyer and disable their hyperspace tracker, we can get away. And it would have right, just made, it would have made more sense. The master you know? code breaker. The whole idea of the master code breaker didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, they could have just snuck on and destroyed the thing, right? Destroyed the tracker. Or, or I mean, assuming we know how it played out, they could have snuck on and got caught. Snuck on and got caught. The whole thing goes to doo doo, and we see the holdo maneuver. You know, like it it still could have happened the way it did, and it would have been more contained as a as a plot right they wouldn't have had to go off on the side and do this thing that was ultimately pointless because it was ultimately pointless even to the plot of the movie itself you know right and also i um yeah no it that worked for me um one thing i would have liked to have seen is for phasma to have not died and for her to actually have died in the rise of skywalker uh, same yeah. um just to you know for, for them to have that one more that additional battle that would have gone a lot that would have gone a long way in connecting all three of these movies um that's my main criticism about the yeah, about she was the like a weird chapter. boba fett like character you know well then again i mean if if past is prologue then it shouldn't be surprising yeah exactly she was the boba but, fett of that trilogy yeah um but yeah no i think that it was great i think that i would have loved to have seen more between ray and ben or ray and luke as opposed to that side quest I think that the seeing the beginnings or the or not even the beginnings because it began in the Force Awakens, but the the budding of the dyad. But oh, we now know yeah. to be the dyad. Yep. We now know to be the dyad between Luke. Then and, uh, then we ben, I ben referred to it as Force FaceTime at the time. Uh-huh. Exactly, exactly. Which it, we can uh, still it call it so that. Cool it's it's hilarious that in theaters. Yeah, and I remember when we were in the theater when you and I were watching it when Ray and Ben and I'll call him Ben for this purpose. You know, their back-to-back fight versus the Praetorian guards in Snoke's thro- throne room. That was one of the coolest scenes I've seen in Star Wars. Like, you oh, know, yeah. you look at it closely, the, the, the choreography, the little stupid. But again, but like, when that, you're watching it. Again, the only reason why I think that is because I watched some video where a stuntman broke down the scene, which, like, yeah. A stuntman watching any action scene can ruin an action scene for you. So it means nothing. It's still a great scene. It's still so beautifully choreographed. Um, mm-hmm. The classic Arya Stark lightsaber drop and the passing oh God, of the lightsaber. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And I think the final thing the final thing I want to talk about with The Last Jedi and why it's ranked so highly on my list is the Battle of Crate. Right so, on, man. Yeah. And... And I just finished up last week uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, the the canon young adult novel, um, which really provides a lot of backstory into Leia. Um, and, and it's a companion novel to the movie and the book, uh, The Last Jedi. I would highly suggest any of you guys read it. It really enriches the story again. Um, but the Battle of Crate, oh my god. You know, when we saw it, I was a little upset, and I think you were too, that there wasn't any lightsaber on lightsaber action in this movie. But, but I that, don't think you needed it. No. That's the point. No, and when you, you go know? back and analyze that, f- the um, showdown between Kylo and Luke, just watch, go to your Disney Plus, like right now. Open up The Last Jedi, go to the extras. Watch the movie with Ryan Johnson's director director's commentary because he he will tell you, he was itching for audience members to notice that he was a force projection because he had his old lightsaber, which clearly was broken, 
you know, what's up with that? I didn't really pay too much mind to it. Did he just give himself a haircut and a fresh shave before he left to go to crate? Um, and the fact also that he didn't leave any footprints in the, in the salt, the salt, um, um, yeah, he was really itching for audience members to notice that before the fight began, which is really cool. It's a really nice touch. If you go back, you will notice all those things. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, just, But also the emotional height of the battle between Luke and Kylo, but really Kylo and Ben, even. Yep. You know, you can see his his con- the conflict within him. Um, and I, I just think that it was beautifully executed. And especially now that we know more about the relationship between Ben and Luke with the addition of all these new canon novels and the canon comics that really uh, illustrate and enrich that relationship. Yeah. I just think that it, it just does such a this service is nephew. to that scene. This is nephew. It's not only, not only nephew, yeah. it's, it's his student. It's, his, it's yeah. his, his pupil. Exactly. And Mark Hamill, like I'm telling you guys, we don't deserve that man in Star Wars. He is the backbone of the entire saga when you think about it. He's just if you look at his acting in in their battle in their in their encounter if you will. He's so sad. He's not he's not like you know angry or anything like that. He is a a teacher and an uncle who is sad that his nephew and student is lost to the dark side. He is sad and disappointed in himself that he failed his student and nephew. And you can see it in his eyes. You can see it in his face. Um, you know, he he says uh, towards the end of their encounter, you know, if, if you strike me down at anger, I'll always be with you. I'll always haunt you. Uh, is that what he says? Something like that? Yeah, he says, if you strike me down in anger, I'll always be with you, which is a play on the original line of, if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you shall ever you would ever imagine. And that's a reference to them, um, him being a force ghost. Yeah, like you were like you were alluding to. And just, and then he says, just like your father. And that, it strikes a chord with Ben, right? We're not talking about knows. Kylo. We're not talking about Kylo in this. We're talking about Ben. He's talking to Ben in this scene. He's not talking to Kylo Ren. He never even does he ever even say the words Kylo Ren in the Last Jedi. I don't know. I don't, I don't, That's a really good question. I don't think he does. I don't even think he would ever bear to call him that, right? It's interesting to think about. But yeah, that battle on Crate, just the, and if we're talking about the struggle of the resistance as well, they're torn to shreds. <laughs> Let's be honest. They have nothing left by the end of that. And for those of you interested, Resistance Reborn, I'm nearly done reading it. Picks up basically right after the the Battle of Crate. It's less of a story about Rey and the Jedi, more about the Resistance as an organization and how they rebuilt uh, before the rise of Skywalker. But the Last Jedi, visionary, it took risks, and at the time, a lot of us maybe didn't agree with it, didn't like it, but that movie will age well among Empire, among A New Hope, and for us, Revenge of the Sith. That's why it's at the top of our list, folks. Yeah, I completely agree. Near the top. Uh, I I love the movie. Really do. Uh, So to close out our discussion tonight, we are going to finish things off with Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. This movie came out on December 20th, 2019. Jeff and I saw it 
Uh, then it hit before December nineteenth, yeah, twenty nineteen. Um, it we left the theater. We we went into the movie with really 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 high expectations because we loved the Last Jedi. Um, you know, open minds weren't gonna we weren't gonna try to go into it with our own head cannon. And further further things. yeah, and furthermore to before you continue, we had just really begun loving the the Last Jedi in our hype train lead up to the rise of skywalker we were only a few very months before, exactly yeah. we were really iffy on that movie for a long time we didn't love that right away it took us time to come around to the last jedi but continue yeah so we went into our viewing of the rise of skywalker um with high hopes um expectations were up there as well but we didn't go in with a headcanon of things we wanted to happen like a checklist we just wanted to go experience it for what it was and boy were we impressed we left the theater. I know, Jeff, you're going to talk about it yourself. Right. But I myself left the theater. I couldn't stop talking about it. I don't think I slept until 4 a.m. We were, we were hyped out of our minds. We were wired. We were wired. It was just so cool. There were so many things about it that initially were just insane. It was just like a wall of visual and emotional and auditory stuff. I want that Blu-ray you know? yesterday, man. It's Feb- you know February 10th at the time of recording. We still don't have a Blu-ray or digital copy yet out. That's I want to well, dive still, into it's that still movie. In theaters. It, at the time, um, again, yeah, at the time of recording, yeah, yeah, at the time of recording, still in theaters. But however, though, I have actually seen this movie five times in theaters. That's a lot, I know, uh, <laughs> but I've seen it five times in theaters. I saw it twice with you. We saw it once that one day. We saw it the next day. I saw it with my brother, my friend. Saw it with my mom, and then I went by myself last week uh, to see it one final time in theaters. Yeah, I may have to see uh, to it once that, more. To hear that, well, to hear that Star Wars fanfare one more time in theaters uh, was really cool. But here's the thing. Every time I see it, I, I leave the theater feeling something different. Uh, the first time, obviously, was just overwhelmed. Right. The second time, second time was so hyped, so emotional. Uh, the third time, I think it might just be due to the diminishing marginal returns to <laughs> viewing a movie. Yeah. But I was less impressed. Um the fourth and fifth times, it, it improved both of those times. Yeah. However, and, yeah, keep going. Finish your thought. Yeah. So just, however, that there's been a lot of discussion on the internet in the fandom uh, about this movie, about why it works and why it doesn't work. There's a lot that doesn't work in this movie. The pacing, uh, number one, first and foremost, does not work in this movie. Uh, it's just too fast, and there's not really a a big narrative point to a lot of the things going on. <laughs> I'm not Somehow. Palpatine has returned, but anyway, yeah, continue. That chiefly among them, um, but I just wasn't a fan of the entire quest for the Sith Wayfinder. You know, it just—I don't like the concept of a MacGuffin. If you're gonna have a movie, let's have you know an actual point to things. Um, I would have loved to see Palpatine's return a little more explained, and I, I understand it was a game time decision over at Lucasfilms to to throw Palpatine in for Episode Nine. Possibly that Disney. The, that was never the plan. There was never the plan to put him in there. Uh, however, I would have loved to have seen a hint in Episode Eight just to tie it together because it really seems like Episode Nine is the sequel to a movie we never got. True. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't entirely dis- like agree nor disagree with that statement. Um, but if we're just if we're talking about yeah my my feelings towards the Rise of Skywalker, it's fifth. On my list. It's right in the middle. Yeah, first time watching IMAX opening night. I was overwhelmed with emotion. I was cheering. 
just loving every minute of it. I was, you know, I was just a ball of hype. And the next day, Friday, after uh, after attending some classes, Obi and I saw it again. Um, that was when, like, the emotions were kicking in hardcore for me. I was utterly heartbroken over with Adam Driver's performance in the movie. Like, he's definitely the Ewan of the sequel trilogy and that he carried it on his back with his strong performances. Him and Mark, I would say. Uh, Carrie as well, to a certain extent. But Adam Driver, man, he just had me, like, nearly bawling in the theater that second time. I don't know if it was just because I had already experienced everything and I was just kind of letting my letting my heart feel for him as a character um but I just oh like he had me crying honestly like the hey kid uh sequence uh to you know him like noticing you know seeing his mother again his mother is the one that kept him from uh you know held him back in his fight with Ray uh his smile uh after he saved her um just like like uh, absolutely heartbreaking it it really was one thing i would have liked to have seen with ben however was instead of han solo maybe seen anakin in that in that moment i don't know like it worked narratively to bring back his father and to recreate the scene from the force awakens like shot by shot it was heartbreaking i cried just like you did it was great um and maybe not there but somewhere else in the movie to have anakin speak to him because he's talked about worshiping Darth Vader, talked about we've seen he worships Darth Vader for the entire trilogy, but we never got an interaction between the two of them beyond him touching the mask. Right, uh, and that also goes into the fact that I would have liked to have seen the Force ghosts in that final confrontation I, with Palpatine. I, I, I'm holding on to a small sliver of hope that maybe that like we will get a special edition of this movie, like maybe years from now, maybe when the Blu-ray comes out. I, I doubt it would be when the Blu-ray comes out, but. I hope and pray that that footage exists um, in the databanks of Disney. Uh, maybe they just weren't finished in time. Um, but yeah, I agree. The Force Ghosts should have been included. Uh, it was a weird. It was so soon. It was a weird sort of Lion King moment. Um, just turning our eyes up to space and hearing the spirits of jedi passed but and it and and like, i loved that i loved it worked that. exactly it worked but it could have been better yeah that was one of the that was one of the most um it was one of those moments where like i was just cheering i was so happy to hear anakin uh we heard ahsoka obi-wan yoda mace windu um we even heard Kinjaris from Rebels. Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon. Well, dude, Illuminara. You, were, you were dude, you and I were hyped when we heard Kanan. I know. Kan- like Kanan is and we won't get into Rebels um talk or Rebels spoilers too much here. We're just gonna talk about Kanan. But he is one of my favorite characters in Canon, um, him and Ahsoka. They're two of the most interesting force users. Uh in the entirety of the canon and that that they were included in the rise of Skywalker. It's amazing. It's what they deserved uh, as characters. Hopefully we get more of them in the not too immediate future. Oh, I, I completely agree. 
I, I, I really think that the Rise of Skywalker is going to age well. I really do. Um, we're going to have to see. Uh, the last two things I want to talk about with respect to this movie, um, Ray Palpatine and Ray Skywalker. Let's start with Ray Palpatine. All right. Um, I, uh, I mean, I like it as a, as an explainer as to why she is a Mary Sue, as we say, um, as, as maybe not even me, as many of you may, might say why she's a Mary Sue in the force awakens when we meet her. Um, great explainer for that. I don't know if it, and yeah, I mean, it still would have worked if he remained dead. If she was uh, a Palpatine, um, she didn't necessarily have to be the one to kill him. Uh, he could have been still dead. Uh, but yeah, that works. I would have, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that no matter what, really. Um, I don't have a big problem with it. It's not my biggest sure. problem with the movie. Uh, I, Ray, Scott, like, and then, yeah, go ahead. yeah, you, you, let's do, let's finish up Ray Palpatine. Go ahead. Okay, sure. Yeah, so when I, when you and I were watching the movie, and he said, you don't just have power, you have his power, you're a Palpatine, you're his granddaughter, whatever. I looked at you, and I, I like, tapped on the shoulder, I was like, all right, yeah, like, all okay. right, word, like, cool. All right. Like, and I that's wasn't like, that's my general feeling as well. All right, okay. But also, though, we got to consider, though, the message that Ryan Johnson was trying to teach us, and this, and along with a lot of other things in this movie, really retconned that part. Um, yeah. And, like, it, it was okay, I mean, but I had made my peace, that's the thing, it's like, if, if I had seen this movie a week after I saw The Last Jedi for the first time, I would have been so hyped because it would have fixed all the things I didn't like about The Last Jedi. And it did that for initially. a lot of fans, man. A lot of fans, this is what that movie did for them in their like headcanon. Or well, that, but their, the thing is, though, is like, I, had made, I had made peace with all of those things about The Last Jedi. You know, So to see J.J. undo that, especially the whole idea of that she's a nobody, like it doesn't really upset me, but it's like, all right, like whatever. You know, I, I'm 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 ultimately neutral on it, but I had made my peace. Is yeah, and I'm trying to say, she is still. Um, she was still from nowhere, and she is still no one. You know that she grew up no one from nowhere, and that's why Luke had so much hope in her, because she and she is still, in a sense, you know, take away her lineage, but let's just look at where she came from and how she grew up. She's still from nowhere. She still was no one, <clears throat> no one. Um, and that's why he entrusted the future of the Jedi to her um, in his in his own heart and mind, um, because she didn't have the preconceived um, notions of what the Jedi are or what they ought to be. She's just a, a Force user who values the light and. We'll see where she takes it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, let's but, get into like Ray Skywalker, of, yeah. Ray Skywalker, yeah. So um, when I yeah. saw that, I, I mean, you could see it coming from a mile away. I mean, it's like, it's like I'm Ray. Ray, who? You know. <laughs> Ray like, Skywalker. You look over and you yeah. see Luke and Leia, which was awesome, by the way. Though I would have liked to have seen Ben in that shot. We can uh, talk about maybe that. Maybe also. Let's talk about yeah, that we'll before about we that sign off today. Yes, yeah, so, but, it, you know, it, it ultimately worked for me, but there, it does create a conflict because Leia says to her in the beginning of the movie, you know, like, Ray, never be afraid of who you are. But then it, she finds out that she's a Palpatine and she runs from it. It's like, I'm a Skywalker. Nah. 
you know? So, like, it works, but it, it just raises a lot of questions. I still don't really like it. Um, I understand where she's coming from with it uh, as a character. Like, um, in the context of the of her of her journey, um, Leia and Luke are, and Ben, as well, are the reasons why. She, well, Ben is the reason why she's alive in the first place. Um, and Luke and Leia are the ones who taught her, right? No one else was. No one else in her life gave her that sort of guidance. Um, certainly not, Sheev. I mean, right? Like Grandpa Sheev? No, no way. Um, she would never take the name Palpatine. I wasn't expecting her to take that. If I was the one doing, if if I was writing it, I maybe would have said just, you know, Ray who, just Ray. I would have been fine with that. Um, yeah, I would have too. I think also we have to remember that Ben Solo sacrificed himself to save her. Yeah. He quite literally transferred his life force into her. So she does have some of Ben Solo in her as well. So you think about it, she's taking the name Skywalker as a tribute to not only Luke and Leia, but also Ben, who has Skywalker blood. It's. I mean, that's a weird thing to say. Just like saying those words, taking a name as a tribute. Like, I don't... It's just weird, man. I mean, like, you can carry on their legacy by, like, furthering the Jedi Order or, you know, teaching Force force users, um, young, uh, in the, like, across the galaxy. I don't think she necessarily had to take the name Skywalker to do that. Um, No, I think that the movie would have been a lot better had it ended with, and we can debate whether or not Ben should have died. Um, but either her and Ben or her and Finn, who we know is Force-sensitive, starting a new Jedi Order, but calling them Skywalkers who use neither the light nor the dark exclusively, but they're gray Jedi. Nah, you know, that would have been cool. That would have been cool to be the rise of Skywalker. Ah, like, I mean, I don't know if... I don't know. I just... Like, it's like... No, like, I see the merits of that. Um, I'm not knocking it. It's just... I don't know. Like, it would have been... Maybe just fine to let the name Skywalker die, maybe? Whoa, well, the whoa, whoa controversy. You, <laughs> the thing is that you can't call it the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know. You know what I mean? I know. But, like, I know, yeah, the simultaneous rise and fall of Skywalker. Come see us on December 20th. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that just about does it for us here on Jedi Jargon. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more a1 star wars content if you like what you heard be sure to uh, subscribe on the podcast app on spotify wherever you get your podcasts uh be sure to share with your friends because the only way we can grow is if you guys share with the people that you know and love be sure to leave us a five-star review uh, follow us on twitter and instagram at jedi jargon pod all right guys thank you so much and we will see you next week and remember guys the pod will be with you always Feeling free and it feels so right, oh
Time to do the things I like. Gonna see a princess, everything's alright. Oh, no job but an answer to. Ain't a fixture in the palace zoo. No, and since the carbonite's off me, I'm living life now that I'm free. Yeah. Told me get myself together. Now I got myself together. Now I made it through the weather. Better days are gonna get better. I'm so happy the carbonite is gone. I'm moving on. I'm so happy that it's over now. The pain is gone. I'm putting on my shades to cover up my eyes. I'm jumping in my ride. I'm heading out tonight. I'm solo. I'm hot and solo. I'm hot and solo. I'm hot and solo. Solo. I'm picking up my plaster, putting it on my sign. I'm jumping in my falcon. Misunderstood. Back in the game, who knew I would? Oh, so flat time I spread my wings. Loving myself makes me wanna sing. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Told me get my act together. Now I got my act together. Now I made it through the weather. Better days are gonna get better. I'm so happy the carbonite is gone. Solo, I'm hot and solo. 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 I'm hot and